Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Journey Coaching. We're super passionate about all things coaching and want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training over a thousand life coaches. Dive deep into a more meaningful career, find freedom, and make an impact on the world around you. Hey guys, we have a great episode for you today. The title is, okay, I got certified. What comes next for me as a new life coach? And this is a question that we get so much. And Noelle and I are here to happily answer it for you guys. Noelle. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I have to say with life coaching, every day feels like a little bit kind of like the starting line because you do new stuff each and every day. Yes. And, I, and and when I say that Noel and I are here to answer this question, um, we are here to uh, ask you more questions because we don't have the answer uh, to everything. And I think uh, something like this, it, it's going to depend on so many factors, right? So we don't have a blanket answer to this. Oh, absolutely. So whenever you do anything, whether it's becoming a life coach or learning how to ride a bike, whenever you're first finished, there's that little wobble period of, oh my goodness, can I do this? Can I take the training wheels off? How do I do this? Where do I go? Um, So step one, I'd say in this process is revel in your feelings and validate them. Yeah. Give yourself a pat on the back. You know, I think people are so fast to uh, compare yourself to other people, their careers. How can I get this? How can I start building a practice? I mean, we get questions like that even, you know, two weeks in and it's like, wait, 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 just be present, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Does your, and I know the answer to this, so trick question, but when you were first starting out in the way back when building your practice as a coach, is this what you thought your life was going to look like? No, zero, zero. Um, I went into it hoping that um, I have my own office and I went into it thinking if I could just do back-to-back sessions and have a full practice, uh, you know, if I, if I was lucky enough to make six figures, then I would be so happy with that life. Uh, and I realized that that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. So guys, John thought he was going to be in an office doing back-to-back sessions. And instead, he's writing books, uh, running groups, raising chickens and a child, and, you know, working from home, passing a baby back and forth. You know, life goes on. And as you thread your coaching practice into your life, it all begins to blossom. Yes. And can I just also throw that back at you? I mean, yeah. when you when you were, uh, you know, uh, coaching and, and, and graduating from all your uh, certifications, did you think that you would be doing what you're doing now? No way. I thought that my life was going to be kind of like you, very much an office type setting, one client at a time. I never mm-hmm. saw myself as a CEO. I never saw myself um, building programs, training, educating. Um, my private practice is very much what I want it to be. And I'm so grateful for that. We could talk a little bit about that as we go on today. But no, um, I life is completely upside down in a really wonderful way. Yes. I wanted wrinkle-free pants and I now wear no pants, which is just basically my metaphor. (laughs) So step one is to uh, acknowledge the feels. Acknowledge Um, the feels. Yeah. Acknowledge the feels. 
And then the step two is, you know, pick your head up and take a look at the landscape of the field. And this is important for so many reasons. You know, number one, things change so fast. Just think about all of our lives and how the context of work changed almost overnight for everyone. The concept of education changed overnight. So the field of wellness, the field of coaching is going to follow suit. So before you can begin and put words to your goals, you need to understand what your landscape is. Where are you working? Um, and we have some yeah. recommendations for getting there. Yeah, you, you got to look around. And especially today, you have to look around often because, uh, as Noel says, it changes constantly. Mm-hmm. It changes constantly and you will change. Your interests will change. Your niche will grow and change as you do. So one of my absolute favorite um exercises for getting people started as a coach is to find some role models, Mm. to look around and find somebody who is doing exactly what you want to do and doing it well and prove to yourself that it's entirely possible. Yeah. And what a great time because, uh, because of the internet, you can find role models who can be neighbors, who can be people that you actually know. Um, before, before the internet, uh, role models were so far away, you know, there were people that were bigger than life. Um, today you could find role models and, and they may not be famous. They may not be, you know, they don't have to be, uh, whether it's Tony Robbins or whoever your role model is, uh, Brene Brown, uh, they don't have to be bigger than life. They can be people uh, at work, people in your circle, people at your gym, um, and they're just as important. Absolutely. And if you're doing that, if you're taking the community route and really checking out your local neighborhood, seeing who's around you, keep in mind that your role models might be accessible. A lot mm-hmm. of times, a long-term partnership is just one cup of coffee away. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then find find someone um, who's going to make you accountable. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing with uh, Journey and the whole point of us building a community is that you're, you, you shouldn't be doing this alone, you know? Absolutely. That is one of the most awesome things that comes out of our coach training program is the networking and the partnerships that people Mm -hmm. find for and with each other. So I like to think of it as having people who are interested in adventuring alongside of you because it is an adventure. And thinking about, you know, who you are, where you want to go and who you want to be surrounded by is half the fun. 100%. 100%. And, and also, um, when you're doing it alone, it's really easy to kind of collapse on yourself, to get in your own way, to fill your mind with a lot of self-doubt. Uh, when you're doing it in a group, the power and energy of the group can carry you. Yes, 100%. It builds motivation. And you know, speaking of motivation, trends flow in and out of the wellness marketplace, in and out of yes. the wellness vertical. And It is important to look inside you and then look outside into the world and match the work that you are capable of doing with what's trending, what the market is asking for, who's doing this work, who's hiring, what types of work are being pushed to the fore. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Example of this that, John, you can speak to is men's work. When did Mm -hmm. you first become aware that men's work was a topic that could even become its own niche? 
I think um, right after uh, five years of working in nonprofit and then the uh, fire in my belly uh, from realizing that we live in a fatherless nation, realizing that a, a lot of my clients um, were suffering because of um, the lack of uh, good men in their lives. I mean, you know, the lack of uh, dads growing up or the lack of uh, uh, men being um, toxic partners or, or whatever. And so also uh, holding up a mirror and me realizing that I was one of them, meaning me realizing that I didn't have tools, that I used to be reactive, that I was angry and miserable. And then as I crossed that uh, that great divide from, from boy to man, um, I was like, oh, this is, you know, it lines up with my story. And so let's, let, let's keep, keep continuing this dialogue and see what happens. Absolutely. And when you first started, men's work wasn't a catchphrase. It wasn't something that was in the public's consciousness. I remember, I have a, I have a vague memory of you running um, a group in Los Angeles with just a handful of guys. It might've been focused on entrepreneurism. Um, and that was, that was kind of like the the beginning of the seed in your consciousness and this week guys i just i emailed john an article um around how you know millions and millions and millions of dollars are being poured um in venture money into different initiatives solely focused on the emotional life of men and so that's an example of taking what you're passionate about and tying it to the larger trends, understanding the marketplace that you're going to be in and learning, you know, where the jobs are, where the money is, where the language is so that you can position yourself in that way. Yes. Uh, men's work is actually brand new. It really is. Uh, and I, when I was working uh, or when I was running my little entrepreneurs group, the reason, one of the reasons why I called it an entrepreneurs group is because it would be the only way that I could get men there. <laughs> Cause there was, a, there was a such the, I mean, there, there are technically men's groups, but um, to do something where there's no stigma um, to have these, you know, deeper conversations, if you announce it, they almost don't come. Yeah. And another example of a, a trend and types of things that you can keep an eye on. I don't know if you remember this um, because I beat a lot of different Tom Toms over the years, but I think it was like, maybe three or four years ago, I started telling everybody within our organization, hey, end of life work is going to be the next big thing. Anybody mm. who's interested in coaching and working with end of life, this wave is coming. How yeah. did I learn that? I read all of the market research that comes out of wellness. And I realized that this wave was about to crest. And lo and behold, right now in coaching, that is one of the major arenas that's trending. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Noel does a lot of research. Noel reads. I flip coins, so uh, don't don't listen to any of my forecasts. But um, yeah, you you I think you predict a lot of things, and that's because you're in it and you're reading and you're learning and you're seeing the swell as it comes. Yeah, and it takes two. John and I are great examples of how an accountability partnership can work and mm -hmm. how a, a very long term business relationship can work where we get together once a week to do our podcast. We check in with each other. Sometimes we write long emails to each other, but it's the sustained connection of saying, hey, what do you see? What do you see? Uh, that has led us both to become successful. Yeah, absolutely. The next step actually is my favorite. Uh, it's to experiment. Yes. Yeah. Play, play in the sandbox. Yeah. So when you're experimenting, it's this is tricky because 
you know, this goes back to language and all of our defined notions of work, that if we're working, it has to be nine to five, it has to be structured, we need to be suffering. But when you're thinking about becoming a coach and who you are, the experimentation part is vital to having a sustainable practice because if you don't find the right way to work, then you're not going to be satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think you could logically figure that out. You have to do it through experience. You know, um, you can't just read about it. You actually have to go uh, do things yourself to know that if it's a right fit or if you like doing this or, 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 or you know, what you want. Absolutely. So one of the things that I learned about myself along the way that was really surprising is that I'm at my best when I'm working as part of a small team. And I thought that I was at my best when I'm a solo entrepreneur. I thought that I was at my best with um, a one-on-one private practice, but it turns out that I'm really great at a lot of stuff and I'm also not so great at a lot of stuff. So having multiple people to think about finances and marketing and revenue and running a business allows me to stand in my genius and do what I do best. Yeah. And you learn that through experience, right? You learn that through putting yourself in different spaces and then taking that information and, and having those revelations about yourself. Absolutely. And when we're experimenting, another piece of it is when we work. And this is really worthy of consideration and it's worthy of mentioning because pacing and timing is really important. Of course, sometimes life gets in the way but we all have what's called a circadian rhythm. So either you're at your sharpest around eight, nine o'clock at night or very, very, very early in the morning. And so if you're thinking about pacing yourself and the work that you do and producing content and seeing clients, what do you need the most energy for? And how do you need to set up your time and your workday so that you show up the brightest where you need to and when you need to. Yeah. And, you know, um, it could change because how you were in your 20s may be very different than how you are in your 30s or 40s. I know for me, I used to be a vampire. I used to be the most creative at like one, two in the morning. I used to go to bed at three. Uh, today, like this morning, I woke up at four and I was writing just a personal journal at like 4.15. So um, I'm a morning person now and I used to be a night person. So knowing that about yourself uh, is is huge. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the other piece of experimenting is figuring out um, where you like to work. And when I say where, that falls largely into two buckets as a coach. You're either going to be working in person or you're going to be working online. Um, John, how do you define yourself? Uh, I mean, I'm mostly online and mm-hmm. and I love it. I love it. I uh, I, I do some in-person stuff, uh, not right now because of COVID, um, but if, even if it's in person, it's not the conventional. I, I don't like uh, the office. I will meet you uh, at a coffee shop um, and I will meet you on uh, for a walk. Uh, if we're going to talk about life, let's do life while we're talking. So for me, that works. And then online, um, that's where I actually have become the most comfortable. And I think that's just because, you know, for the last decade, uh, I've, I've just been doing everything online. 
Yeah. And I'm the opposite. So Mm -hmm. I'm almost, you know, aside from the work that we do with our company, I'm almost completely offline. Every now and again, I'll post a picture of my dog on Instagram, but I've largely just completely pulled back because quite literally, there's just other things that I want to do with my time. And there are other ways that I want my work to stand out. Um, So that was a very intentional choice on my part. And when I work with clients, um, I do phone-based sessions, but I would actually qualify the way that I work as more in-person. My practice is almost entirely word of mouth and referral. um, And it's, it's human to human exchanges. So it's, you can do either or don't feel that one is better than the other. You can build a very robust practice either way. Yes. And it's important. And I love that we're not the same. Um, I love that we're different so people can see the spectrum. Yes. Yes. So as you're experimenting, as you're figuring out how you like to work, who you like to work with. We talked about men's work. We talked about ends of life. There's all sorts of different problems that people are trying to solve. And as you explore who you can help, you'll really figure out who you like to help. And so these things all go into the next piece, which is collecting data and reflecting. That is um, um, nails on the chalkboard for me, the words collecting data. All right, so let's um, <laughs> let's reframe it uh, because you know the, that's Noel language, right? So this is an awesome yeah. example of how people experience um, language differently. So when I hear the term "collect data," I get excited, and John yes. wants to. <laughs> and, <laughs> I want to. I want to run. And John wants to run away, yeah. um, but. If I phrased it differently and said, John, you know, how would it be for you to really sit down and think about the last three months and pull out your absolute favorite parts of your experience and where you felt you were showing up the strongest um, Mm -hmm. as your authentic self? What would that be like for you? Yeah, that feels more like a huddle, more of a a workshop. Um, It feels less scientific. Yes. Yes. And it is nonetheless collecting data. Yeah. So when we're talking about this, it's creating space. One of the things that we do as coaches and one of the reasons that coaching is effective is that adults don't take time for strategy and reflection. And so working as a coach, developing your practice, figuring out who you are, figuring out where you're at your best, where your resources are, where your genius is, that also requires strategy and reflection. And it is important to create space for both of those things. That's something I wish I did more of in my younger years. And I do a lot of now. Yeah, absolutely. And then you take all that, you uh, synthesize your learning and you make a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, talking about synthesizing the learning, it's really a 360 degree walk around, you know, after a session, check in with yourself. How did that feel? Um, After you've had an interaction with a maybe a potential business partner, a role model, an accountability buddy, or a space that you could work out of, how did that feel? What was good? What was bad? It, does it align with showing up as my best self? And so when we continue to take in that data 
after experimenting, that's when we really begin to get our plan in place of letting ourselves know I'm on the right track because intuitively this feels good to me. Yes. And as you're doing this, uh, continuing your education, deepening your knowledge, your skill set, practicing your craft. A hundred percent. There's so much to learn. Just as we mentioned that I do a lot of research in the space, um, you know, John does a lot of customer data research just by being out there in the world. You know, we might use different language for it, but between the two of us, it's really starting to understand what humans need, how they work, and what we can do to better be of service as coach trainers, as educators, as content producers, as people who are, you know, out there in the world. And then the final piece uh, is to to build, learn, and grow. And this is a plate that doesn't stop spinning. No, it doesn't. And if I could leave you guys with anything, it's that there's no right way to do things. And there's no judge or jury. And the only person that you have to satisfy at the end of the day is yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I kind of compare this whole thing. I don't know if this is going to make sense to anyone to dating where, um, whenever, uh, 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 people take, uh, are, are intensive and they're excited and they're pumped up the, the, you know, what they ask is what comes next? How do I build a practice? And for me, it's like when you're single, if you're just focused on, you know, who's my next one, um, you know, who, who, you know, who do I need to swipe on? How am I going to get a next date or, you know, all of just finding someone, if that's your goal, you're going to kind of miss the train. And what I mean by that is as a coach, instead of thinking about, you know, how am I going to build my practice? Ask yourself, how do you want to now live your life? Right. Ask yourself, what have you learned from this program that you could apply to your own life? And I think as you do that, then you'll start attracting your demographic and clients instead of you going out trying to chase people. A hundred percent. It's a slow build. And the more authentically um, you turn to yourself and turn inward and really walk the walk, um, the more that you will grow and expand as you're meant to in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Live the way that you want to help people. Yes. And ask for help when you need it. You're not an island. You don't have to go through this journey alone. That's why we have journey coaching. That's why we have the journey coaching community. That's why John and I are here every week to talk about life coaching and how to do it because it is such a joyful discipline and we need more good coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, guys, you got to have fun and enjoy the ride or else what's the point? Yes. Yes. All right, my friend. I hope that you have a great day with your chickens and your cute little baby. (laughs) Thank you. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to journey.co slash everything to explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a strong community to do it in. We created Journey Coaching to equip you with the tools, training, and community you need to attain your goals. Join Journey Coaching and begin your journey towards personal freedom and a transformative state of growth today. That's jrni.co slash everything.